Do you feel that in a time when we are more connected than ever, we are drifting away from real human connection, especially to ourselves? I do. Hi, I'm Leticia Latino, and I want to invite you to join me and my very inspiring guests in exploring ways to reconnect to your essence, to your definite purpose, to what makes you tick. Are you ready? Hello, everybody, and welcome to a new episode of Back to Basics, Reconnecting to the Essence of You. My guest today is Margaret Agard. She's an award-winning author, former high-tech executive, and mother to eight children, and listen to this, stepmother to seven more. She's a Christian mystic and Reiki healer. She has released two books of a series called In His Footsteps. In the first one, Margaret shares how her life really began when she decided to give her daily to-do list to God. She's currently writing her third memoir titled Love Becoming One with Parker. Hello, Margaret, and welcome to Back to Basics. Hi, Leticia. I have been looking forward to this. Me too. I'm, I And there's so much I want to jump in. I'm like, oh my God, of course <laughs> I had to say eight kids plus seven is like the math. It's already scary, but <laughs> we'll get Oh, to- I know. The birthday cards alone will do you in. You're going to debunk any myth that any mother might have about I have too much on my plate. I can tell oh. you that much. <laughs> oh, I'm going to agree. I'm going to 100% agree. <laughs> I don't think anybody would argue with that. So, Margaret, I mean, your journey obviously sounds rich and full of wisdom by all the things you've had to deal with. And so I want to start, you know, by asking, you know, where are you from? Just give us a little bit of insight of uh, Margaret as a child growing up. What were your aspirations, your dreams and your passions? Well, that's a good question. So I actually was born right outside of Washington, D.C. But then when I was about seven, um, my parents moved to New Jersey. So that's where I grew up. And then I've lived all over. I've lived in the Rockies. I've lived in California, Albuquerque, and Alaska, Wow, West Virginia, and now finally in Florida. Mm, yeah, so, we're neighbors. We're neighbors. Yeah, we're neighbors. Yeah. Florida's a big state. It's a long neighborly drive. <laughs> that is true. That is true. So in, in all that moving around that, uh, you know, tell us about, you know, your you yourself, your passion. Were were you were you easy making friends? What what do you envision about your future back then? Well, as a child, I actually had an experience with with God. Where I had, you know, I went to vacation Bible school and learned to sing the songs, Jesus Loves Me. And then I went to a church once where I had this such a strong feeling of intelligence and love and an actual being that I finally have described it as up till then I learned a lot about God, but that day I met him. And since then, I I think I've been on a path to be connected. That's why I call myself a Christian mystic. It's about that connection to God, to being in the presence of the divine as often as possible. Mm. How old were you, if I may ask? Seven. Oh, wow. Six or seven. Yeah, young. A lot of young children have those kinds of experiences. Yeah. I love that, that you that you not only had it, but that you recognize it. Because I think that's, uh, you know, it's also... I think some people have it, have that mystical experience. That's something else that you cannot explain, but we are very quick in dismissing them. 
and like saying, oh, well, it was a dream. I was, you know, whatever. And but I'm uh, incredible that you were connected with that. So so that, then what was your path? Did you decide early in your career what you wanted to be? I mean, I, I read you were in high tech. How how did you make it? I, I went when I was 16. This was back when computers were like took up huge rooms, huge rooms. You had to wear white, you know, be careful not to make any electrical sparks or something as you walked. And I fell in love. I fell in love with computers. I was always good at math and I just loved them. Mm -hmm. And so I ended up in the high tech industry just because of that, because I thought, oh my goodness, I love these things. And now, you know, we have phones. You can do more on your phone than you could do with those huge computers back then. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm I'm sure it became in very handy. And so you went into a high tech. At what point of these you became the mother of eight kids? I'm so sure had, you had a lot. Yeah, I had like two. Sorry, I keep interrupting. Felt like two callings in my life. One was, you know, to my mind and the other was to my heart. And I have uh, seven brothers and eventually I had five sons. So I had no problem in the high tech industry because my brothers were mostly younger than I am. I'm the oldest daughter. And I was used to kind of, let's just say, I never knew my place, (laughs) which is how I ended up an executive in the high tech industry, which very few women do. And on the other hand, I loved my little kid, my little brothers and sisters. And I loved the idea of having a family. I was looking forward to that. And I grew up with people who had lots of large families. So that was my goal. What's interesting is I, I like to say I had eight children in 11 years. So I did it before I had my first teenager and thought, oh, this might have been a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> I believe it. Wow. Yeah, that's uh, that's a lot. So and, and and it shows, you know, to me, and I shouldn't compare it, but, you know, when I hear, I'm not a runner, so when I hear people doing triathlons and Ironmans, and I just interviewed someone the other day that said, I don't know how many hundreds of miles they run, I say, how do they do it? But obviously, yeah. there's something in the human capacity that if you are provided with a task, we're going to race to the equation. So raising eight kids, being a mom, being an executive. I know a lot of the women in the audience will say, how did you handle all that? Did you Were there moments of despair where you say, well, obviously, because it led you to write your first book, right? So Yes. So, yeah. So exactly what happened is, um, I mean, I, I think I could kind of keep up with it when I had a husband, but our marriage ended. And, you know, that's, He's gay and eventually went off to live. You think, oh, gay and had eight children? Yes, gay and, and we have eight children. And eventually we ended that marriage and I was left to, with no financial support from him, to take care of all those children and support them financially. And when I went into the high-tech industry, it was growing. All you had to be was smart, good, and able to figure it out. But as it began to solidify, people were looking to see, do you have that degree? And I had two semesters left. So I thought to get a really solid, stable job, I should finish that degree. And that's, that's what I decided to do. So now I'm going to school full-time at night to finish my last two semesters. Working full-time was um, the kind of job where I could be pretty flexible in my hours. Uh-huh. And, and I had those eight children. Now, at this point, you were how old, more or less? Uh, in my 40s. 
And I want to say that because I know there's people out there that sometimes they block themselves into, I didn't, I didn't do this. So it's done. I'm 40. I'm not going to do it. And I just always find it so inspiring, you know, to hear stories like yours that at 40, you were finishing up your career and being a mom and doing all these and working and being all the sole provider for your family, for a large family. Uh, and, you know, I, I wasn't sure, you know, I make good money as an executive in the high tech industry, but if it's just you and you have eight children, it's yes. Yeah. And so I wasn't quite sure how the kids were going to get through college, but when they saw me go, what they say is when we saw you do it, we knew we could. And mm. so six of them have masters and, you know, one's still working on her bachelor's. So it's, Yeah. They, they did it. I set an example that they said, if she can, I can too. Yeah, living by example is powerful. You know, we hear it all the time, but uh, it's true. When they see you, when you set the example and you leave it, you embody what you're saying, that it's very powerful. Well, I mean, congrats on that. That's that's amazing. And and then in the whole process, if I understand, you turn something that was overwhelming to you, which I I can only imagine. I have two kids, and sometimes I feel like just the things with school, and the, you know, every kid has a huge list of things they need just to get their through their day or their week at school. To think about that time saved, uh, I just don't know. So I'm sure your your list were <laughs> as long as a as a what a toilet paper roll. <laughs> I know it just was, and I I was saying I you know I know how to set priorities. You, you don't end up an executive without knowing how to set priorities and say this is the most important thing. I'm not going to do the rest of that because it's just busy work. Mm-hmm. And I knew how to do that, but. Everything was was a priority on this list. It was, you know, this kid needs to get to the doctor. I have a paper due in my class tomorrow. This client wants a report. And what was happening was even worse than knowing how to set priorities and having too much to do. I was getting about four hours sleep a night. It seemed more than one time the thing I had thought was the priority and focused on, like finishing a, a report, maybe for school, I would go in and there'd be a sign on the door. Oh, uh, the teacher's sick. Just don't worry about handing the report until Friday. Mm. And I think, oh my gosh, I could have spent that five or six hours last night doing something else, Mm. something else on the list. And that happened often enough that I started thinking, I wish I knew the future. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because then I would know, right? And then I thought, oh, I know who does know the future. That divine being, God, that I feel I have a connection with. And so I started taking my to-do list. I would make it out. And then I would just sit in prayer, contemplation, and say, what should I do today? You know what's coming. I don't. And I would feel, oh, cross this off, cross this off, maybe add something. It was always something like, call someone. Mm -hmm. It was always giving Mm -hmm. little bits of good to do in the world. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Besides, Mm -hmm. just take care of my immediate needs and my children's needs. And I say, that's when my life changed. And at some point I got everything back under control. You know, I finished school. I was only two kids were not in college. Eventually I remarried. And then the same thing happened. And I, I had stopped doing it because I thought it was a weakness to do it. I thought, Mm -hmm. well, I, I should be able to handle my own life. I shouldn't have to ask God to tell me what to do every day. And yet 
we hear about turning our life over to God. And when you think about it, our day is our life. And coming from a Christian background, I had the Lord's Prayer, right? And the Lord's Prayer goes, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth the way it is in heaven. And I tried to imagine angels running up to God saying, oh, I'm so busy. I got so much to do. How can, can you help me here, God? Can you help me out? And, and instead, I think it's the other way. They're actually going and saying, you have such a great work. Now, I want to be a part of it. What do you want me to do today? And so hmm. I changed it from what should I do today to what do you want me to do today, God? Now, I am a human being. And I don't like to be micromanaged. So one of my issues was I would sit down with my list and it would start to be changed. And I think I just get irritated, basically. <laughs> so so you, you got irritated at God because you felt he was micromanaging you. Yes, yeah, like, I love it. I love it. Oh, my God. That's, a, that's amazing. <laughs> so I had learned, to, I finally learned to do and still do is before I go to bed at night, I, I make the list because I'm not as committed. You know, overnight, it sort of solidifies in my head. This is what I'm going to do. Mm -hmm. And I've really learned to trust. There's been times when he said not to do things. And I thought, okay, you're wrong about this one. <laughs> okay. yeah. So I, we used to have a business where we shipped products that we sold over the internet. I tell us all the time. So I'm Monday comes and we don't ship on Saturday or Sunday. So Monday was a big shipment day. We had at least three days worth of orders. And this Monday, it looked pretty busy. And it, the thought came that I've learned to recognize as God, oh, don't do the shipping today. And I thought, what are you talking about? I, I, we're, we're a professional company and we ship next business day and this is next business day and we're shipping. So I got everything ready, took a couple hours and hauled it down to the post office, which was closed because it was President's Day. <laughs> so, <laughs> Wow. Yeah. And I've had enough of those experiences that I started saying, okay, I'll pay attention. I love it. I think I, I can relate to that. I, I you know, it's a, I'm a Christian too, so I, I have a strong relationship with God, but I call it the inner voice, you know, yes. for others, you know, that can relate to that more or, you know, the universe uh, sending you a signal or something, but it's that inner voice that's, that's guiding you somehow. And it takes a lot of uh, as you say, discipline and, and kind of trust, because sometimes you feel like, oh, I, I should do this. And but then something's don't worry that you're fine. Yeah. I got you like, don't worry. It's not a big deal if this doesn't get done. And, and you know, I never articulate in the way you are putting it right now, but I certainly can relate to having those hints about things I should focus on or just some that I shouldn't. And just trusting that these, you know, someone else or some higher force, higher energy is guiding the steps. And uh, no, it, it's incredible. So what would you say, you say my life's changed. What would you say was the biggest change you felt? It's like less overwhelmed. Like I'm trying to help, you know, people yes. identify like, because I think a lot of us feel it, but we cannot name it. And I think naming things is very important. So I... Well, as I said, I was getting about four hours sleep a night and often I would wake in the middle of the night, just panic stricken. What am I leaving undone? What am I leaving undone? After I started doing this, at first I would do his stuff and some other things, but then I just reached the point where I was, I'm only going to do what he said, put on the list. And I was finished every night by eight o'clock. I was very calm. I thought, well, 
the most important things are finished. I don't have to worry. And it, it affected every part of my life. If I was doing everything I could, let's say I'm stuck in rush hour traffic, I would get a sense, don't worry, it's all going to be fine. And I think, okay, so I'm going to be late for the appointment. They'll probably be late too. Something else is going on. <laughs> and it was like that all the time. I just stopped getting upset about things. And second, my life gradually began to be changed. Now, Leticia, you started a podcast. And I'm guessing that part of that came from that inner voice. Like, you oh, should start absolutely. a podcast. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. And, you know, I know nothing about podcasts. So it, it wasn't really micromanaging. Now you have this big project, right? And so I, my life was changed that way in small ways, um, where I was spending more time relaxing with my family. And in large ways, where I had a couple of large things happen that changed my life. And one was I remarried. I had no intention of remarrying. I had two sons at home and I thought, oh, teenage sons and a stepfather is not good. And I had a 20 year plan for my life. It did not include remarriage. Then I one day was sitting there and the thought came, I want you to write your life on the internet. Now this was before blogs were big. I wasn't quite sure how to do it. And I found a site, Open Diary, which is actually still up today and started to write. And people were responding to what I wrote. And after about a couple of years of that, the thought came, make a book. Hmm. And I thought, huh, make a book. I don't know, make a book. Which is a lot of time, that's how we feel, right? I don't know. <laughs> but then you find, and I started taking all those things I had written on Open Diary, thinking how to make them into the book. And the thought came, no, those, that is the book. Like, just go through and I'll help you pick out what needs to be in the book. And that is the book. I think I was calling it Apprentice to the Master, thinking, I'm just following along, trying to listen. And again, the thought came, call it in his footsteps. I want you to go get the website in his footsteps. And I thought, oh, sure. By the time that happened, that's 2010. I'm sure that's not going to be available, but mm -hmm. it was. Wow. And so, yeah. Wow, and that, so, is, that is incredible. Yeah. So that's why I ended up with a book. Yeah. And, 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 I, and I wonder, I'm sure other people out there are wondering too, as they listen to you, you know, how do you connect to that voice? Let's call it God, but also let's leave it open to people that maybe okay. have a different inner voice. Other people that maybe are not as, as, as religious or spiritual, because I think that a lot of us are, but it turns out a lot of people too. But if you say, if I want to tune into that, or if I want to listen to God, for those that believe in God, how do we get started besides buying your book and reading it and, and see if we can get inspiration <laughs> there? But how do you advise someone that says, Margaret, how do I do this? How do I well, I, I do book? tell this story in the book, Leticia. I was in my 20s and someone, I heard someone say, you know, I knelt down and prayed and I know I was supposed to kneel there and stay there for a while till I start to hear God speaking to me. And I was like, what? What is she talking about? I thought you just prayed, got up, bam. You know, things either happened or they didn't. And so I went that day and I, I don't care what you would have called him. I just said, I don't know how to hear your voice. I don't know what of all those voices in my head, including the ones that's saying, what is she talking about is um, the one that's you. And so can you help me learn to understand your voice? So that's the first thing I did. I just went and said, I don't understand how help me. And then what happened that day is that, I was making a big pot of chili. I'm in my 20s, early 20s. I had like three or four little kids. And 
this pot of chili all of a sudden kept getting bigger and bigger. I don't know what recipe I was following, but I'm getting out a different pot, you know? And the thought came, invite this Jones family to dinner. And I thought, yeah, I'm not going to do that because it just came on Friday. And then a little while later, I'm still working and the thought comes again, invite the Jones family to dinner. And I thought, no, this is Monday. And Monday night, we only key for our family we don't want other people in the house and also it's when we spend some time where we teach our children some principles and in this case where we're going to talk about tithing so i'm like no i'm not going to do that and i'm still working away and the thought comes again it's very soft very gentle it's you know invite the jones families and i thought and invite them to stay for your little gospel study with your kids so i thought hope I wonder if this is God. Okay, I'm going to do it. So I called them and they agreed to come to dinner. And then afterwards, I don't think they would have told us this, except we were having this all scripture study on tithing, which even if you don't believe in tithing and religion, a lot of financial experts will say, give away 10% because then everything you have continues to grow. So we were explaining what tithing is, you know, 10% and everything. And as we finished, the family said to us, the father said, you know, we were committed to paying tithing and we had gotten behind and he worked as a consultant, you know, checks came different times. And he said, we got a check. It was enough to buy food. We're almost out of food or we could pay tithing. That's where we were and catch up. And he said, we thought about it. And we decided to pray tithing, pay tithing. And he said, by the end of Sunday, before we left church, we had been invited to dinner every night of the week, except tonight. Wow. That is so I said, great. okay, bingo, that's God. And so as I began to pay attention, the thought often is a good thought. The thought will come more than once. It's very quiet. And if you find yourself, this is what I think, say, if you find yourself arguing with a good thought, just pause. Maybe this is God and just do it. It's good. Why not? I so love that. It's funny. It's, uh, you know, when you mentioned the podcast and I've told the story in one of my podcasts in the past, but when I, I knew like there was something there that this is a good way to have these conversations with people because I normally had it before I had the podcast and I say, oh, I wish that person would have heard this Margaret. I love Margaret. I would go back <laughs> home or to my friends and say, I met this woman. It's so great. And then I almost felt like sad that I couldn't like uh, augment the, you know, these conversations. And so I saw the course about, you know, the podcast and all that. And I threw a coin, which I usually do when I, I wasn't, you know, sure about something. Okay, heads I do it, tails I didn't do it. And I did that for a long time. And in this occasion, like heads came, which is, no, you're not going to do it. And then, you know, I say, ah, no, screw it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to. So I went and that's when I knew that that voice, that inner voice was true. Because there was something else that was trying to distract me from what my, the mission was. Yes. And I had to really uh, do a coup d'etat on that, on my own little system of heads and tails yes. <laughs> and say, no, this is not serving me anymore because I, I hear it. I hear that I have to do this. And I put the coin and never again had I gone back to uh, solving my, my doubts on, on heads and tails because now I recognize the voice and, and I know that, okay, this is it. This, you keep following this. You don't know why. You don't know where. You just do it. And so yes, that's it. it. You do begin to recognize it. And it, it, it takes practice. 
And so just do the practice. It does. And also I've heard it. I feel that it's very concise. He's very concise and not multiplying words. It's just very simple thought. We were getting ready to go to Alaska. And I was, first of all, I was a little scared about Alaska, dark, cold, grizzly bears. And then (laughs) I, so I was saying, what else do I need to do to get ready to go to Alaska? And by then I'd learned to recognize the voice pretty well. The thought immediately came, take a brisk walk every day. Now I know the word brisk. Do you know the word brisk? You know, yeah. I mean, have you ever used the word brisk when you're talking to someone? No. <laughs> no. I, it was very clear. It was concise. I, mean, I didn't have to take up jogging. I, but I wasn't supposed to go out there and just stroll around smelling the flowers. I was going to get my heart rate up a bit, take a brisk walk every day. So he'll use words we know. Maybe we don't use them very often. Mm-hmm. And it, it, very clear, very concise. I appreciate that. And also journaling. Some people journal and will find that as they journal, it will come up. And there's three other things I like to say. One is often the thought comes immediately, but not always. But if you've just prayed and this thought popped in, you probably should pay attention. You know, if you've been, even I don't care how you pray, whether it's down on your knees or you're just driving along thinking, I don't know what to do about this. And then this thought comes. And second, if an opportunity to serve comes up or to help someone else, there's a good chance that's how you're going to get your answer. So do it. I was praying for a friend. I, especially after the marriage ended, I was lonely. I didn't want a man in my life. And also I wanted some affection, like some hugs. Mm-hmm. And so I thought I, if I could just have a good friend, father, if I could just have a good friend and the woman who became my good friend, it, we were like friends in third grade, but who could drive and have money. <laughs> oh, that's and so, yeah. She's, tells me how I met her because I couldn't remember and she said I had brought her dinner one night it was just someone in the neighborhood and that thought came take dinner to this woman and I thought okay kind of weird but I'll do it and she said I I, when I did that she said to herself I want to know this woman I think what I did when I gave her the dinner is I said oh God told me to bring you this dinner (laughs) (laughs) yes and so it was just my prayers are often answered by doing service for someone else. Well, that's, uh, you know, I think everything you're saying, I am sure is going to resonate to someone out there that has been looking for ways. I definitely, you said a few that I know that I practice, which is writing. I think writing down your thoughts, journaling, making lists, it's so powerful because once you put that pen to paper, you're making it real, you're making it tangible, you're making it important to you. And so that's why, you know, like we recognize once you've seen it written down, you cannot forget that you've written it down. Right. So I think that's so good. Yeah. And, uh, and talking to yourself, I think a lot of people think that praying it's, you know, as you say, you have to kneel in church. Sure, there's that too, but uh, many times during the day, something happens, a cold comes and I know, and I say, thank you, God. Thank you. Or I just look at the sky because I acknowledge, I acknowledge the, that something happened, that it's out of my control that came to me. And, and that to me is prayer. And so I think that a lot of people, if they feel okay, or they acknowledge that, yeah, you can do this while you exercise and just connect to that extra something in yes. you, that's prayer. Yes. 
Yes. So I know that you're writing a third book. So you want to share a little bit about your new project? Sure. Let me say, though, I think of my books as faith, hope and charity. So the faith one was I gave my to-do list to God, got more done, more sleep, less stress and a new life, actually. And that I think of as faith. I just had to have faith in that voice, trust in that voice. And hope was when we went out and we served missions. And that was, we wanted to bring hope to the world and hope to the people that we worked with. And the third one I think of as charity is the one I'm doing about how I married Parker. And the honestly, what happened is there was a thought, you're going to meet the man you're going to marry next fall. And I thought, no, thank you. <laughs> and then, um, you know, I kind of came around and started looking for it and I was praying about it. And, and I did meet Parker in the fall. We actually married in the spring because the boys doesn't put commas in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So then you would think this is a match made in heaven, right? It's going to be so wonderful. And we had so many struggles. It was painful at times. At one point, I kept thinking, I know this was from you. This is a mess. And so I knelt down and I said, I need some words to hold on to. And, you know, I was thinking a scripture. Give me a verse. Sometimes we have a verse that gets us through. And the thought came, all will be made whole as a result of this marriage. Now, whole, if you read the Bible, is referring to spiritual and emotional wholeness, not just physical. And so when I heard those words, I thought, Oh, he's talking about Parker, myself, and our children, especially I felt my children because of our my bad first marriage that they were raised in, and the divorce that that has a terrible impact on children. Of and so I, I have seen that happening. I, I've even asked them sometimes, did that marriage make a difference? And they'll tell me how. They'll tell mm. me how. That is inspiring. I'm I'm so happy you share you share that because I think a lot of people also. I always joke with my friends like they sold us marriage like completely wrong, <laughs> and I've only been married. You know, I've been married to the same person, and and I, but it's challenging. And they always tell you, you know, just the good and focus on the good, and no one really wants to talk about the 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 bad or the challenges, and and so you know, with my girlfriends, we always try to keep each other honest because I remember when you're dating, there's so many stories you share, right? About your boyfriend yeah. and what you're doing. Then you get married and it's almost like people don't want to tell you like what's bad in the marriage or what you're struggling with because of this stigma, like it's a bad marriage, which is not, it's just there's ups yes. and there's downs. And I think it's very important to acknowledge that. We really did have to heal. And, you know, he came from an, he came from an abusive alcoholic father and he was hurt a lot. And there's a lot of pain there. And I say, I, I like to say, I grew up in a home where anger was the language of love. You know, if your brother hit mm. you, oh, he loved you, that mm -hmm. kind of thing. So, because he at least paid attention. And so <laughs> yeah. we had a lot to overcome. And as we each individually healed, we also helped each other heal. I can remember saying to him over and over, I am here for you. I'm not going anywhere. I'm on your side. And adult children of alcoholics, abandonment is one of their biggest fears. And mm. we create it. He would often say to me, just leave, just go. And I'd be saying, 
I'm not leaving. <laughs> that's powerful. That is powerful. And that's why, you know, the, the title of your book is Becoming One with Parker. Yes. And, and how long have you been married now? Uh, we're about to celebrate our 25th anniversary. Oh, my God. Look at that. That is incredible. Congratulations. Yes. So, so, you know, like I, I'm going to say if anybody has doubts that, you know, you can overcome challenges, I'm going to send them to your episode every single time because you really are an example <laughs> of, you know, how to do it and how to to also do good around you and to keep hope and faith and all these important things. I think this is really the the richness of 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 life revolve around that where we are putting so much more emphasis on the material stuff. So and so Leticia, there's two things. With my first marriage, the thought was very clear. You need to end this. It's it's damaging you. It's damaging your children. And with the second marriage, it was you need to work on this. This hmm. is going to be a very healing marriage. So if people are listening to this, you should hear both of those and, mm -hmm. and pay attention to which answer you're getting. That is very powerful. That is very, very powerful. Thanks for sharing that. And then, the, yeah, because I think also people say, I'm married, I'm going to have to pull through this. And, and they see like there's no exit. And I always say that the, at the end, you have to be happy. You have to feel hope. And there's a journey that might involve that you know that you will have to unfortunately go through divorce to find that path and to to find the growth and the happiness and and yeah sometimes i think that our own labels right i my like i know my parents come from a generation and they for by all means they had a happy marriage and they're still married 53 years but you know i see all the you know in that generation friends of my mother putting up with cheating putting up it because women you know especially italian sicilian oh, yes. women are like you don't divorce my own grandmother she was married you know she was an arranged marriage with my grandfather and he died very young and uh, years later the man she really loved of proposer to her oh. Oh. but she said no she oh. never marry him and I, I i always ask her like no now why you never marry him and he said she said because uh, you know a woman only marries one and she was very old-fashioned it's oh. like you only and she was a widow so oh, by all yeah, means in her religion like, yeah yeah she could have married but oh, it was, was just Catholic? yeah there is it, that yes thing. she yes. was the those labels and barriers that were so yeah. unfortunate and unfortunately she didn't live a very happy life oh. and uh you know and and so you see how those things can prevent you from happiness and god gives you the chance and yes. just by by these beliefs you don't take it so so that's, I think, uh, a lot of wisdom in what you share. So, Margaret, as we get, as we reach the end of our interview, I always, you know, is there anything else exciting that you want to share with the audience? Anything that we haven't touched upon that you want to share? Or otherwise, I'm going to ask you, what else makes you tick? What else keeps you connected to your true self? What keeps me connected to my true self? It, it truly is that. I just have more and more felt the love a lot of people will say i just feel like the universe is filled with love and i felt that and i feel like i have one little note to sing have you ever heard of a bell choir you know like in a, and yeah. so there's like there are all these people and they have like one or two bells like right so this is the the note i've been given to sing 
turn your life over to God by turning your day over to God. And the more I share that with people and the people who say, you know, I've started doing that, the happier I am. Oh, that's great. That's great. And, you know, uh, I'm I'm going to listen to that. I normally feel like I do it, but not intentionally like you. So I'm going to do it more intentionally even <laughs> to see what turns around. But uh, I I thank you so much. I think even these kind of encounters and us, our paths crossing is, is God sent. And I know that the message you're putting out there, it's, it's so powerful. And, and just to be connected with, with God, with your inner voice, with that higher energy that that we know is there because it's there. That's undeniable. And and so that you can find your better life. Yes. So thank you, Margaret. I definitely will check out your book. Thanks, Leticia. And recommend it to, to people because I, I know it's it's uh, it comes from, from an inspired place. Thank you. Thank you so much. And thank you all for being part of Back to Basics. And until the next episode. You've been listening to Back to Basics. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook. If you haven't yet, subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts or any of your favorite streaming platforms. This is the best gift you can give us. Join me next week for another Back to Basics conversation. And if you want to find out about other exciting things I'm working on, visit LeticiaLatino.com. Thank you, and until the next time.